And ladies and gentlemen, we have made it to the final part, the top 10 for this edition of Chris Ranks the Universe. My top 10 favorites of the Disney animated classics after I just reviewed, what's 58 minus 10, 48, 48 movies and put them in order. And it was actually a lot harder than you think, especially as we get to this part. But now we're in the top 10. And I bet people are going to be really surprised at what we talk about here and why we talk about it and why it's in that position and etc. And maybe the hate mail will keep pouring in, but who knows. But two men who will not be receiving your hate mail, unless you, for some reason, really love Stitch and decided that Mark's a jerk for talking about <laughs> it that way. I don't know. But he is the author behind... Marked Reviews on WordPress, which I have promoted so many times that you should have it bookmarked by now. But if for some reason you still haven't, go to markedreviews.wordpress.com and bookmark so you can read his stuff. And if you're not, then you're just going to make me upset and you're going to make a, a, a baby animal cry. So good Aww. job. So good job there. Uh, Mark, thank you for joining me for the sixth and final part, but not your final part, appearing on my show, I hope. I hope not. Because <laughs> there's lots of stuff to review that I know you'll want to be part of. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. I think we talked about, what was it, last episode, Mel Brooks? So. Oh, yeah. That's, that happens. That's got to be something that happens here. Yep. And thanks for the shout-out on the WordPress site. I hope everyone who has checked it out has enjoyed it. Um, I know my battles of one versus two activity went up a little bit so i appreciate everyone who checked that out there you go now as i've mentioned before you can go on amazon search for books and look up jeff r trellowitz and you can find his books and you can buy his books on amazon in fact if you have kindle unlimited you can even get the kindle version for free so what are you waiting for his name is Jeff Trelowitz, published author. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back once again. Yay. And, and, this is essential here, he is also the host of three podcasts, two of which appear on CKCC Radio. There's, of course, the Cinefan Podcast with Jeff Trelowitz. But if you're on CKCC Radio, you can also listen to Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks. And for real paranormal talk, I'm working on something really special. Might not be next week, but I'm working on something that will uh, be a game changer. I also noticed that you have a one-star review on your Everything Comes Full Circle book. Yeah, well, one-star reviews are going to happen. So Of course. Yeah. They... I, try not, I try not to get down Push. when I see that. I also Pushes. know that I've come a long way since that was the first book so of course i wonder if they actually read it or if they're just a troll well they do make references no maybe not because they're just like oh there's no hook that'll keep the reader from noping up by literally the fifth page of the book and it's basically they're they're just crying about his editing which oh is funny God. because I see five-star reviews on his other stuff including paranormal contact which has four five-star reviews Woo. Plus, you should go out and get my net, my latest review, latest book, Object of My Obsession, because there is a character in it named 
Chris O'Mealy. What? Yes. Who's There's that guy? a shout out to CKCC Radio in Object of My Obsessions. Who's that guy? <laughs> so it's make sure make sure you tell Adrian Cotton that I appeared in your book before I appeared in his because he Commissioner O'Mealy will be in uh, AW Big Time Players Volume Two. But you heard it here first, folks. Jeff got me first. I am the winner. <laughs> So, Suck it, Adrian. Aww. I can't say anything. He bought Object in My Obsession, so he's going to find out, even if I don't tell him. <laughs> there you go. Well, guys, we've made it to the top ten. I'm going to reveal my top ten favorites of the Disney animated classics. So for you astute people out there who've been keeping a list, you already know which ten movies haven't appeared on the list. Are, before, without mentioning them for any spoilers, are there any that you're thinking of right now that are either surprising you that they're made it this high or haven't, you're just like, oh yeah, of course that's in the top 10? For the most part, I think I'm in the, yeah, of course they're in the top 10. I mean, I I would have, I don't have the full list. I didn't keep track of it. So I haven't been crossing stuff off, but going in my head going, okay, we haven't talked this one. We haven't talked that one. Uh, makes sense that that's there. So, I know there's yeah. there's three painfully obvious ones that haven't appeared yet that, of course, are in the top ten because they're in almost everyone's top ten. Yeah. But uh, you might be surprised at how that one actually turns out, or maybe you won't. Plus, you haven't talked about my top two, so I'm happy with them being in the oh, top there you ten. Go. I think when you do your top ten, I'll go. Yeah, most of those are definitely at least top twenty. So. I don't think there'll be any anger from me today. Well, you're going to... I know at least one of them's going to surprise you because of where it ended up on the list. But Ooh. that... That will be a discussion <laughs> for when we get there. Have I Chicken te- Little. <laughs> yes. Chicken Little's actually number one. I was totally teasing you. <laughs> I knew it! I knew you wanted the sky to fall. So... We're going to go through the top 10 here, and we're going to kick it off with my number 10. Now, this is a movie that genuinely surprised me when I saw it for the first time. Not just because of how good it was, but how good I thought it was. And of course, you all know the difference between that. There's objectionably good, and then your version of good. I'll tell you right now that objectionably good is The Godfather. One of the most objectionably good movies of all time. Surprisingly good is how much I liked Goodfellas more than The Godfather. Whoa. Please send all hate mail to Chris. Oh, do you know? No, you know what? Send me that hate mail because I'll defend Goodfellas over Godfather all day long. (laughs) But that's where Tangled falls into play here. Not only did I, was I pleasantly surprised with how much I loved this movie, but I was also pleasantly surprised with how high I ended up ranking it. Because I was like, this really is a top ten movie for me. And I didn't expect that. But let's look at what Tangled actually is. This is the true second renaissance of Disney animation. After the 90s renaissance, Disney jumped back into the prominence in the late 2000s, early 2010s. And Tangled was at the forefront of that. 
We got a computer-generated fairy tale princess movie, the first of its kind, with another, again, we're going back to the, uh, the Brothers Grimm. We're going to tell the Rapunzel story. But what we're going to do is we're not just going to tell a generic story where the princess, she's not going to be Snow White or Aurora or Cinderella where she's kind of subservient. She's going to be kind of a badass who can stand up on her own and be super likable and goofy and funny and relatable. And we're going to have Flynn Rider be a really likable character too, even though he's a, technically a criminal. <laughs> at, at least in the beginning he is. Plus two of the greatest non-speaking characters of all time. Pascal and Maximus. Damn right. (laughs) And I'll agree with that one, too. I mean, Maximus talks more without saying a word than most animals in Disney movies. Just because, I mean, how many many horses can have a sword fight and hold their own? (laughs) I mean, Pascal was everywhere when this movie came out. Yes. Until Olaf <laughs> took him down. <laughs> I knew... I, I worked with a girl because I was in Disney when this movie came out. She would have Pascal on her shoulder. She, like, stitched a Pascal to her shoulder so that she had it wherever uh-huh. she went. Mark, commitment. at the time this movie came out in 2010, Mark and I would have had pygmy puffs on our shoulders. Yeah. Because we were both yeah. at Hogwarts at the time. Plus, I met some one of the famous voice actors from this movie years later. Which one is that? Zachary Levi. That's awesome. Eugene. Yeah. I met I met him on. Uh, he had just finished a show on Broadway that I absolutely loved, and I still listen to the soundtrack. Uh. So, how does Tangled make it into a top ten movie? Well, first off, it's paced excellently. It's It's got the fast action because of the characters involved. The fact that Flynn's on the run and Rapunzel has her little freak out when she finally gets outside the tower. Which is one of the funniest montages in any Disney movie, by the way. Where she's... Her existential crisis that happens literally five minutes after she steps on the grass. But it's got a great soundtrack. Yeah. Some of Disney's absolute best. It's got, it's got your... Uh, well, which which song won the uh, best original song? Was that "See the Light"? Hold on, I'm looking it up right now. I have a feeling that's what it, it was. Did it win? No, it didn't. Win. Uh, yeah, it uh, it was nominated, but it did not win. It did not win. Okay, I thought it did win, but yeah, you have where when will my life begin? Which is your standard Disney opening movie, and it's got a reprise, which is perfect. Uh, you have "Mother Knows Best," which is your villain song. Without actually being a dark villain song, it's just... She's basically Lady Tremaine. Except that whereas Cinderella could actually, you know, leave to go do chores, Rapunzel couldn't even leave the tower. Right. Toy Story 3 won that year for We Belong Together. Uh, I gotta disagree with that one. And I I like Toy Story 3, but yeah, I gotta disagree with that. But actually, looking back at the list of songs, it was a weak year for um, Oscar songs. And if any any of you Oscar nominees are out there, please let me say that I have no ability to do what you do, and I respect that you were nominated, but it was a weak year. If anybody who was nominated for an Oscar is listening to this podcast, can you freaking tell me, like, now? <laughs> <laughs> so I can feel good about what I'm doing? Well, um, it beats the next year where there are only two songs nominated. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Wow, well, that was true. that was Muppet or Man, right? Yeah, right. Man or Muppet one, oh, and then uh, something from Rio. Oh God, the Rio song. The list. I think I see the light. If you could look at it in longer terms, I see the light is the better song. I see. Tangled. I see the light's incredible. It's yeah. uh it, again, this was another one of, and it's another one of Disney's best. And the big negative with Tangled is that when Frozen came out, Tangled almost vanished. Yep. Yeah. And I've had yep. this discussion with multiple people, and majority of people will say that Tangled is better than Frozen. But I also feel like a lot of those people do that more be- to put down Frozen instead of standing up for Tangled. One hundred percent agree. Uh, but I feel like Tangled doesn't waste any animation. Mm-mm. I feel like every scene has something happening in it. Some Somebody's doing something, and something is moving the plot along, even if it is just Rapunzel talking to Pascal or something. Yeah. I, I think the coloring in that movie is also very beautiful. It's a lot of bright colors. Um, and then just the animation on the uh, floating lanterns. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And her parents, not only do they actually get to live, but they don't even get any dialogue, and you still feel for them. Yeah. And also, I don't understand why people are are upset upset about, like, Frozen and Tangled. Rapunzel and Flynn appear in Frozen. You need to calm down. There's a crossover there. There is. Just calm down. All that tells me is that the movies take place at literally the same time period. Yep. Can we talk about the Ugly Duckling, the bar? I just love The Snuggly it. Duckling is the best! Is it the Snuggly Duckling? What is it? I think it's the Snuggly Duckling. For, oh man, whatever it is, the, the bar with all the villains, it's just perfection. Because Brad, Brad Garrett's like on a hardcore Disney run right now. So. <laughs> it is the Snuggly Duckling, yes. Thank you, fact checker. Go out and live your dream. Uh, your dream's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, I it's so if, good. Uh, Chris owned a bar. I think that'd be a, a good indicator, of kind of what it would be like. Would it be called Puzzles? Wait, wrong show. Oh, <laughs> what makes you think that if I owned a bar, of all, only villains would come to it? What the hell, man? Look, just because they're bad guys doesn't mean they're bad guys, Chris. Aww, I agree, Zanjeev. <laughs> it's true, but. I'm going to say this about Tangled. Every time it gets put on, I like lock in and I watch that movie and I will try to do something else. But then somehow I'm just like, nope, I just give in and I end up sitting down to watch it. So just so good. It's really good. It's uh, I think uh, I think it's a very, very underappreciated Disney movie, even though it is so popular now. But just because of what's happened and where things have gone, I'm like, Tangled, I don't want to see Tangled fall by the wayside. I think it 100% deserves all the recognition that it gets. And, you know, a lot of credit to Mandy Moore for the role, too. And the fact that, uh, for you Doctor Who nerds out there, can anybody else wield a frying pan better than David Tennant (laughs) or Rapunzel? Going with that, I think it's also a very underrated, like, Disney comedy. For like, It is. It it's very good funny. laughs in it. 
And again, going back to the to the villain, because great Disney movies have the great villain. You know, Gothel's the villain from the beginning. It's not a twist villain, but right. what works with her as a character is just how relentless she is because of her own narcissism. And did you ever notice that whenever she tells Rapunzel that she loves her, she's always looking at her hair? Yep. When that got pointed out to me, I I couldn't unsee it, and I just thought that was a great little detail. It's a, it's a fantastic little detail. I love little details like that in the in these movies. And I love that I also want to give a lot of credit to the marketing campaign to call it Tangled instead of Rapunzel cuz they're like if we call it Rapunzel, you know, no boys are going to go see it because they're going to just associate it as a princess movie. And that was a brilliant marketing campaign because it got more people to see it and the boys could have fun with Eugene. I think that was a good decision, but also from a creative perspective, I think Tangle made it more creative than just Rapunzel, you know? Rapunzel let down your hair, yeah. Yeah, I think just calling it Tangled added more, ooh, excitement. And I think you you look at, you know, Frozen probably followed the same reasoning for not having it called something like Elsa, doing the same idea of, well, if it's not just associated with a certain princess, maybe the boys will go see it as well. Well, yeah, they weren't going to call it the Snow Queen. So they, yeah, they, nah. they took that route, and I think that was smart, too. And again, like I said, Frozen is a good movie. It's just, it's it's too overhyped. And because of Frozen's close proximity to Tangled, Tangled isn't as recognized as Frozen is, and I think that's a shame. But I think we've All said, right. yeah, I think we've definitely said a lot of good positive stuff <laughs> about Tangled here. Yep. So when we move on to number nine, it's going to be another case of underappreciation. Because, again, this is another movie that is super deserving to be in the top ten. And took a lot of risks, a lot of chances, and absolutely paid off. Although I still think it's getting the recognition it deserves. I still think, at the same time, there should be more to talk about. And we're going to go from Tangled in 2010. All we're going to do is we're going to subtract a year, go back to 2009, and talk about the last... Cell animated princess movie that Disney did, Princess and the Frog, which is a phenomenal take on another classic tale, except we get the Americanized version, the we get the African American princess, so the young black girls have a hero to look up to, and Mark gets to see his hometown. Uh. Every time I uh, am driving into the city or flying into the city, that song pops up, and I'm good with it every time. Is uh, so I got I got to ask you this: Is Princess and the Frog appreciated in New Orleans? Um, whenever I I asked, pretty much whenever I ask family and friends there. It's it's not a Disney movie people talk about there. Um, it's not a big iconic movie there. I know a lot of people have seen it and they appreciate it. I definitely think um, more people love it when they go to the Port Orleans Resort. People bring up that movie all the time, Prince and the Frog at the Port Orleans Resort, but actually in the city of New Orleans, 
Um, I, I think the hype has died down a little bit. <laughs> They're still. Are they still mad at BP Oil? Oh. <laughs> I know you Too work. I know you work because when we went, you couldn't get any oysters. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's no, they aren't highly thought of there still. Well, I wouldn't imagine, but yes. So yes, this is um, with the uh, the computer animation surgeons in the 2000s, Disney actually did a really wise thing here and took a chance on going back to a cell-animated classic tale with the princess movie uh, and a supernatural villain and a classic story brought to life, which is also kind of meta because the tale of the frog prince is actually in the movie. Yes. Because that's what... Uh, Tiana's mother is reading to her and young Charlotte LaBeouf whose who's daddy is John Goodman. Oh, don't forget Oprah is the mom um, to uh, Tiana. That's true. Eudora. Yes. Oprah. And of course. But yeah, this this movie 100% gets, needs uh, more recognition Everywhere, and I know that Tiana's a super popular princess to meet in the park, which is great because that's exactly what it should be. Um, but as far as the legacy this movie will leave behind, I remember seeing this in the theater and walking out going, I'm so happy Disney did that. Yep, because I absolutely loved it. And again, it's another one where I know people were nervous about, I think I actually might have a lot to do with Tangled's marketing. Because people didn't go take their young boys to see Princess and the Frog. Right. And they should have, because Prince Naveen... Prince Naveen's actually a likable prince right off the bat, because even though he's got the selfish tendencies, he's also... uh, He also does just kind of want to have fun. And, of course, he's got his little little Lawrence with him. Because we always (laughs) have to have the, uh, the henchman who goes vile. And then they completely ripped that all off when they did Enchanted. They did. (laughs) When it's like, hey, what can we do? Can we just get Wormtail and Rob Stark out here and just... (laughs) And just do what Princess and the Frog did? But but for a cell-animated movie, especially one taking place on American soil... Uh, first of all, New Orleans is a perfect city for this because New Orleans is a gorgeous city because it's got all of the European architecture and everything. The French influence is very obvious there because I actually took a picture that I took in New Orleans and put it next to a picture I took in Nice and just looked at the architecture. I'm like, I bet you you wouldn't be able to tell which one was which if I didn't tell you because the architecture is identical. That's the, which is part of the thing there. But like, it's a it's a good story about workmanship and working towards your goals and Tiana's probably one of the best princesses overall because she is hardworking and strong-willed and can kick a little ass she's actually one of my favorite princesses to meet I don't know if I've ever actually done a Tiana meeting before but I've heard she's she's a good one I don't believe I have either I definitely recommend it She's going to open her own restaurant to uh, to live her daddy's dream. And she knows how to make gumbo. Uh, yeah. 
And then uh, looking at the, uh, since we were talking about music in the last one, two songs from this movie got nominated for the Oscar, and neither of them won. Oh, that's a shame. Let me guess. Uh, we... Almost there. Almost yeah. there. And? And? Down in New Orleans. I'm not surprised. Right, gotta... That is actually pretty I got... good. Now I gotta look up what was nominated that year. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's, uh... Something from Paris 36 that I've never heard of. Something from the movie Nine. And then uh, the song that won was from Crazy Heart. Oh. Oh, it was, but that's, who did that song? It was, um. Uh, Ryan Bingham and T-Bone Burnett. I will admit that song is really heavy. It is a a very deep song. Um, Is it, I, I think that goes down to the argument of, it's a very good song, but is is it the best movie song? And I I think the songs from Princess and the Frogs were were better movie songs, but they might have also split split the vote, unfortunately. Most likely with the two of them being from the same, they split the vote. That's always the problem. That's a shame too cuz I think the uh this is one of my all, overall favorite Disney soundtracks cuz I love the uh I love the Nolans jazz. Yeah. And this has a this actually has a pretty deep soundtrack too cuz usually the the standard was like the five songs and it was a villain song, a prologue song, you know, they the they had love all that song. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, they had all that stuff, but this one actually uh this one puts a whole bunch of stuff in there cuz it's got you got the down in New Orleans and the reprise, almost there. Yep. Friends on the other side, which we're going to get to him in a minute. When we're human is kind of fun too, because all Louis wants to do is be a human. He wants to be Louis Armstrong. He even says so in the song. <laughs> and then they even they even do the Bayou stuff, and of course they got the legendary voice actor Jim Cummings to be Ray. Yeah. And Mama Odie has a good song too about digging a little deeper. So they they do a good job with it, and the visuals are stunning because it's the cell animation. But they they managed to even make the freaking Bayou look incredible. Oh my god, that one number with Doctor Facilier, that that animation just is mind blowing. The shadow stuff is crazy good. Yeah. So let, I want to talk about Doctor Facilier real quick. First yeah, off. That- all I have to do is say Keith David, and I think I've made my point. <laughs> I think I've more than made my point. But Gargoyles, what? <laughs> Friends on the Other Side is one of the best villain songs they've ever done. It's it's all it's all exposition, but then you also have the uh, the the insanity of him basically using his voodoo powers. His freaking shadows acting independently, and this ain't no Peter Pan shadow either. <laughs> this is this is straight up evil, and he's basically saying his friends on the other side. He's basically saying his friends in hell, and yeah, that's it's a really really good movie that took risks and I think paid off. And even though it was considered a box office bomb, like The Black Cauldron. Yeah. I think, like the Black Cauldron, it's got a cult following that's going to keep it alive for many, many years. I don't think it was a box office bomb like 
Black Cauldron. I think it was a box office disappointment, but I think to call it a box office bomb is is a bit much. Well, that's yeah, I'm, what... I'm, I'm I'm looking at the numbers right now. Took a made about it. It was 105 million to make, and it made back its money. So for me, that's never a bomb. Well, it, people it's between 267 it. and 271 million dollars. I, I think where you were going with it, it's kind of like how. Uh, Rise of Skywalker didn't make as much as Force Awakens or The Last Jedi, but it still made money. It just didn't make as much money as the other Disney classics is what I think you were going with. Yeah, and well, that's what a lot of people's main criticism is because <clears throat> it does outgross some of the stuff that came before it, but yeah. at the same time, it also fell short of what they wanted it to be. But you also have to remember one thing. Avatar came out a week after this. Yeah. So that certainly didn't help anybody. <laughs> but I, I, and I, I'm with you. I don't know how anyone can call a movie that made 1.074 billion with a B dollars a box office disappointment, which is what Rise of Skywalker did. Well, I will also say, um, Princeton the Frog is on a very special mark list that I have. It's movies that make me hungry. <laughs> and the frog is on there. Vignes? Oh yeah. Every time they have them beignets or talk about gumbo, I'm like even even mama's gumbo, I'm like, damn it, now I have to go make gumbo. So you wanna know the moment in the movie I caught myself and I, I took myself out of it and then immediately put myself back in was when I was like, What is this? He's a voodoo guy, but he's actually got powers and, and like why are they doing this? And then I stopped myself. I said, hold on a second. That's always been the Disney MO. You have been too cautioned. Like I'm talking to myself in the mirror. You have been too precautioned to everything in modern day movies. Has to have a freaking explanation. No. <laughs> Sit down and enjoy the supernatural. And now I'm like Dr. Facilier's top villain. <laughs> so, Some people just want to watch the world burn, Chris. I, I can tell. Yeah. Apparently. I've heard, wait, I've heard that in a movie before. <laughs> yeah, me too. Sorry, should should I do a better uh, accent? Some people just want to watch the world burn. Why <laughs> so serious? Some some people. I think I went Sean Connery on that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you, you, you totally a little, did. You little went a little. I'm yeah, so sorry. There was Michael Connery over here. Yeah, my bad. That's okay because we all love Sean Connery. Yours. Yours. Welcome to the Rock. Oh, I love that movie. We're getting way off topic, but I love The Rock. Seriously, uh, the only thing that would the only thing that would have made Princess and the Frog better is if Sean Connery was in it. Yes, <laughs> call me, call me Papa Odie, the Voodoo King. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> Sean uh, yes. Connery, if you're listening to this, please record those voices. Sean Connery, if you're listening to this, can you just like tell me so I can geek, freak out? <laughs> Sean Connery, if you're listening to this, I actually enjoyed Dragonheart. So you're the only one. <laughs> well, well, even Stevie Richards and Spike Dudley have fans. So hey, I like Spike Dudley. <laughs> he's the winner of the letter, poor just Steve. like me. Poor Stevie. Well, he's a down at Applebee's All when right. it opens. Indeed. All right. So Princess and the Frog definitely top ten worthy. <clears throat> yep. Now moving to number eight, another top ten worthy movie that again. I was even surprised when I was doing my placement. I'm like, no, 
this can't go any lower because I really cannot get over how good this movie is. And I didn't see it when it came out, but, you know, it's one of those, well, you hear the reputation, you're like, I heard this is a pretty good movie, so maybe I'll maybe I'll sit down and watch it. And then I watch it, I'm like, oh my god, Disney's amazing. <laughs> in 2016, Disney actually put a movie out in March, or, yeah, in March, instead of the usual, like, end of the year time frame called Zootopia. And I was like, I don't know about this one. Then I watched it, and I was like, dude, Zootopia is the best. This movie was a freaking bomb. And I want to go live in Zootopia now. Can I Can I go ahead and poke the bear a little bit? You're gonna. Which, which well, I mean, there's a lot of bears in Zootopia, so go ahead, poke one. <laughs> I, I don't think it would be in my top 15. But would it be in your top 20? I would think about it. I could easily be talked into top 20. Okay. Well, then that's fair. It's still a top-tier movie to you, so... Yes. So, I could break down everything about Zootopia, what I absolutely loved about it, but the basic story um, is it had the brilliancy of a very much a modern problem in society... Of yes. discrimination, telling its own story without being overly obvious about it. Yes. You have uh, – now, I've seen people argue that Judy Hopps is not a good cop because of what she what she does. And they're like, no, she's not a good cop because she breaks procedure and does all this stuff on her own. It's just like, okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are people actually watching this Disney animated movie? No, no, this is a real and, thing. Go look it up. And they're, and they're criticizing her police – Ability to be a t- police police officer. Yes, they are. In this modern world, they're okay. Go on. <laughs> but but let's also let's also think about what Judy Hopps represents. She's the underdog who is not expected to succeed, and she's doing it to prove a point that she can be a good cop. I mean, what's right. the first thing that she says? They're just like, well, writing a hundred parking tickets won't be hard for you. She goes, well, screw that. I'm going to write two hundred, and I'm going to do it before noon. Uh-huh. And she does. Of course, I also love the cop reactions where the, the little baby hippo's like, my mommy says she wishes you were dead. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Which that's... Which is not something you think you'd hear in a Disney movie. But it's also right. so true. That's how people think of people like meter maids. Like... Yeah. And then you got to look at the cast here. I mean, Nick Wilde is... He's just... He's a con man who gets out-conned. Judy Hopps outcons him and tricks him, and yet he's still trying to be Mr. Con Man, and it's it's kind of it's it's fun to watch his to watch his character growth. And he is played perfectly by Jason Bateman. Oh my god, yes, Jason Bateman. Uh I would pretty much watch him read the phone book. <laughs> I, I don't know that he's ever done anything really bad, so except for Teen Wolf 2. Whoa. That never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I like that they have uh, Idris Elba as the chief of police. Yes. Which is fantastic casting. And I, I'm still on board for him to be the new Bond if they wanted to go that direction. I uh, still would have taken that. So when they were casting for Man of Steel, I 
went to all social media begging them to consider Idris Elba for Lex Luthor because I had just watched his um, BBC show um, Luthor, mm-hmm. and I thought he would just be brilliant as Lex Luthor. I absolutely agree. And then you also have to look at some of the other casting choices. The mayor is J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I want pictures of Judy Hopps. <laughs> they have Tommy Chong in there. Hey, man. Oh, my God. Welcome he was to... the uh, yak or something. <laughs> yeah. Right? He's the... Oh. He's the... He in the nudist club. Hey, yes. man. This elephant's got memory like this. Remember? The little otter was in here, man, and... He was wearing corduroy slacks. Like, he recites the whole thing. You're actually pretty good at that. Oh, well, I watched that 70s show, so I've seen there a lot of Tommy Chong. They, they, the, Her parents are Bonnie Hunt and Don Lake, which is a joke in itself. Yeah. Because they, the, they have their duo stuff. And then Jenny Slate is Bellwether. And whether she's being super sweet in Secret Life of Pets... Or whether she's being super, super douchey on Parks and Recreation. Jenny Slate <laughs> is freaking amazing. I want a new day. I need a new day. <laughs> um, money, please. Yeah. I love you, Daddy. Money, please. Uh, what, what's happening right now? Uh, ben, just give her the money. It's easier if you just give her the money. <laughs> and, yeah, the so... What I really like about the movie as a whole is it's a big mystery, and I think everybody's pretty much on the same, the same, uh, the same wavelength that like she's solving the mystery, but you're all under the impression that there's going to be more to it, and then you discover what there was, and you're just like, oh man, that's freaking, that's about as awesome as you're going to get right there. Plus, um, oh go ahead, Finnick. The Fennec Fox, Nick's partner in crime, was voiced by frickin' Zeus. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's opponent in No Hulk's ah, Five. Ah. Yeah, did you not know that was Tiny Lister? That was him. I Honestly, I've never seen this movie, which is why I'm being quiet on it. Oh, oh that's fair. I, that's fair. Chris, you cannot move on from this movie without talking about Flash. Oh, I was Flash. getting there. Okay, so, my... The DMV part of the movie is the most legendary part of this film, above and beyond by far. And it's one of the... I haven't belly laughed out loud at a Disney movie harder than I did during this scene. You know, even like... Just to give an example of a movie we may be talking about later. the uh, When all the furniture in the Beast Palace attack the, attack the, the marauders, the attacking villagers. And it's so friggin' hysterical. And you're laughing about it. This was an actual belly laugh out loud scene where I was almost <laughs> crying with Flash just, hey, you want to hear a joke? Sh- sure, Nick. <laughs> and then the payoff at the end when they pull the car over is, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> it is brilliant. But I will also give a shout out to the Shakira song, which... Didn't even get nominated. And it should have, because it's actually a really good song, and it's the only real song in the movie, so why yeah. not just go with it? I was very surprised. Plus, I have a I have a soft spot for Thompson's Gazelles because of Safari, so... Shakira, Sh- Shakira as a Tommy is perfectly okay here. 
Shakira, and, Shakira. Dude, even the concert scene at the end is funny when you see everybody <laughs> celebrating. Now, this is another movie where you can crap on the villain because it's a twist villain. Yeah. But it was a twist I didn't actually see coming. And when I, I had that same moment of realization the same time Judy did. And then I marked out how Judy freaking tricks her. It's called The Hustle, Sweetheart. Uh, they got they got everything right in this movie. And since we're talking figures here, $150 million to make made $1.024 billion with a B. A so B. Zootopia yeah. was a success, and they're making a sequel, and I can't wait. I think the movie is perfect all the way through. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I would watch it. I get excited to rewatch this movie. I may have to check this out. Yeah, I I would highly to. I would highly recommend Zootopia. It's really good. Also, I didn't even talk about Officer Clawhauser. He's the stereotypical donut eating fat cop at the desk, but he's really funny. He's got the app where it puts his his face on one of Shakira's dancers. He's like, look, does he? He's saying it to a guy who just got brought in. He's like, doesn't that look like me? <laughs> <laughs> and you will find humor in this because his character is based off Jerry Gergich. Of course. According to, according oh. to Wikipedia. <laughs> That's so awesome. So much Parks and Rec here. Oh, jeez. Or should I say Terry or or Harry or whatever the other names he went, went by? Ha, ha ha, your name's Gary now. Oh, <laughs> Gary. Jerry. Oh. They said he was like the nicest guy on the show, so they they hated how mean they were to him. So that's why they gave him the perfect home life. Why he's got so a that's gorgeous. Why they gave wife. him Christy Brinkley as a wife. Yeah. yeah, and three gorgeous daughters, and everything in his home life is perfect. And they're like, "Well, that's Eggs, how we made it nice for Jerry." And toast. Start... Eggs, bacon, and toast. Start your day the Gergich way with eggs, bacon, and <laughs> they all do on the point. Toast. That's <laughs> <Toast. laughs> <laughs> so great. Now, I have one complaint about Zootopia, but it's a minor complaint. It's just one of those nitpicky things. The names of the characters. Hops, Wild, Bogo, Bellwether. Yeah. Clawhauser. Clawhauser. Lionheart. Emmett Otterton. I mean, I did mark out for we- that a little bit. <laughs> Weaselton. Now, I do like the twist on... Alan Tudai coming back as Duke Weaselton after he was the Duke of Wesselton. And then <laughs> yes. Judy mispronounces his name. He's like, it's Weaselton. And he's selling the bootleg Disney movies. Yes. So I'll, I'll give that one up to it. Zootopia Which, is... When when you go and watch, look for the little Easter eggs that are those um, bootleg Disney movies. Yeah, it's great. So how do you do better than Zootopia? Well, you take a journey across the ocean with my wife's favorite Disney movie and a brilliant, beautifully animated, and also very funny, the other 2016 Disney film, Moana, in number seven. Make way. Make way. Make way. Well, now the question for you is, Zootopia won Best Picture. What movie would get Chris's vote? Moana or Zootopia? You know what? I objectively like Moana more than Zootopia. Which is why it's ranked just one spot higher. 
But I <laughs> don't I don't disagree with that decision. Yep. I am with you 100%. I like Moana more, but Zootopia as a film is better. Moana's more traditional because it's it is a princess story, you know, except she doesn't really want to be a princess. It's just that we're we're well, one day you're going to rule the island because you're the chief's daughter. And she's like, no, I want to go sailing. It's like, but yay for them for allowing a female to be a tribe leader. Well, yes. And th- there's no questioning about it. And they got actual, the entire cast, with the exception of Hey Hey, was done <laughs> by natives. Yes. I mean, Dwayne Johnson, Hawaiian. Yep. Aluli, she actually said how to pronounce her name, and of course I can't remember it. I think it's Aluliai or something like that. It's like four pronunciations, but she's actually Hawaiian. Tamora Morrison, Django Fett, soon to be Boba Fett, because I saw that yes. announcement. He's the chief, and of course we know he's news. He's a he's a Kiwi. We know that Kiwi and uh, and a big clone guy. Uh, Rachel House again, the mom, New Zealand. So they got, and of course, Germaine Clement as Tamatoa, which is awesome too. And more importantly, looking at the cast, Troy Palomaru <laughs> as villager number one. <laughs> of course, but they yes, they they did throw him in there. Yeah, that's right, you're a Steelers guy. That's right. Hell yeah, that's my team. That's right. That's fine because you're you're a New England guy, but you you root for a Pennsylvania team, so I have nothing negative to say about that. Because you could root for the New England team, which is going to get swamped this year. At least I can only hope. But wait, why are we talking about football? We're talking about Disney. What the fuck? Anyway, back to uh, back to <laughs> back to the island of Motunui. So yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good story because it's the it's it's a classic princess tale of wanting to do more which is a common theme along some of those early princesses but she's also she when she realizes she has to go on this journey to restore the heart of Tafiti, and she realizes not only does she have to do this but i i she's living her dream but also for a noble cause which puts her in a top tier princess at least in my opinion it does and yep. then, wh- one thing this movie does absolutely brilliantly is they follow a legitimate tearjerker moment with Grandma Tala yeah. into a hysterical moment when Hey Hey freaks the fuck out in the middle of the ocean. Yep. And that's a good... Alan Tudor freaking out? No! <laughs> yes, he's also... Not only is he Hey Hey, but he's also the villager who's like, I'm curious about that chicken eating the rock. Can we just cook him? Because he's dumb. <laughs> he also suggests eating himself, apparently. But we got to talk about The Rock is Maui. Probably. Yeah. Now, this wasn't Rock's first voiceover role. I think a lot of people forget Planet 51 existed. Yep. And I it, think a lot of people want them to forget that movie existed. It, it's, it's a movie. I'm yeah. not going to tell anybody to go out and see it, but if it's on and you happen to catch it, give it a shot. It's not terrible. It's yeah. it's kind of clever, but also it's kind of boring. But yes, yeah. Maui the demigod is great. He's hysterical. And then, of course, it turns out he also has a tragic backstory and has his motivation for doing things. But the best part of the movie, 
and people don't talk about this enough, is when the spirit of Tala talks to Moana and never once convinces her to do it. She's like, if you're ready to go home, I'm coming with you, and lets her realize it on her own, that she has to finish her mission. And not enough people talk about that, and that's what makes this movie so brilliant. I don't think a lot of people catch that either. That's Because she even asked her, she goes, why are you hesitating? That's what makes that's what makes Moana one of the top tier princesses. You know, her heroics are almost as big as Mulan's. She saves the entire oceanic community from death and decay by restoring the heart of Tefiti. Yeah. And of course, um, sorry, go ahead, make your point. No, no, no. I was gonna say, is okay if I touch on this. On what? I'm sorry. On the soundtrack. Yes, because I was actually just about to mention how much I love Tomatoa. (laughs) And that would be part of the soundtrack, of course. Yes, go for it. (laughs) He was a drab little crab once. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jermaine Clement, the, of course, the, uh, who doesn't seem like a a white New Zealand guy, but he is very white. (laughs) By the way, I also loved his appearance on Rick and Morty as the talking fart. Oh, forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. And then he even sings to Morty. And and he sings to Morty as Morty kills him. Morty, why? <laughs> Goodbye, fart. I'll miss you. <laughs> but yes, because of course he's always got to play something like this. The giant crab who loves, I love shiny things. I know that song gets a lot of pushback, but I love it. They were inspired by David Bowie when they wrote it. I just, I have so much fun with it. It, it's it's great, and uh, <laughs> and of course he's like he's actually kind of funny too. Oh, it's the heart. No, this is just a little piece of barnacle with luminescent paint. <laughs> and then of course after they escape, he's like, "Hi, did you like my song?" <laughs> and the post credit scene when he's still stuck on his back. Yes. If, if I were a, if I had a cool Jamaican accent, you'd totally save me right now. <laughs> Uh, I feel yes. like that was a blooper that they just said, all right, let's animate that. and put it Yeah, in. I would have done that same thing. The movie's the great. say about the soundtrack is, it, How Far I'll Go was nominated for Best Song, and it lost. And I, I'm still irked about that to, the de- to today because Lin-Manuel, I think, would have his EGOT if it would have won, and I think it should have won. And then if you ever get a chance, watch... A, the large crowd in front of Magic Kingdom during the fireworks show, when that song comes on, people live for that song. Mm-hmm. And they should, because it's incredible. The whole soundtrack is amazing. The yes. the, the first song is great. Make way, make way. Yeah. And who wrote the lyrics to that one? Our old boy, Lin-Manuel. Yes. And How Far All Goes Amazing. We Know the Way is a great song. You're Welcome yep. is, I mean, it's the rock singing, but it is what it is. The, <laughs> Rapping. The, there's, no, there's no bad songs in the movie. Nope. None. And that's insane that they could do something that that crazy. I mean, the only one, I, we, we listen to the soundtrack a lot because, like I said, it's my wife's favorite movie. The only one we ever actually skip is Logo Tepate. But that's just because it's just, it's all native lyrics, so you can't really sing along to it. But that's the montage of when she's learning how to wayfind. 
Right. By the way, the rock totally <laughs> totally pees in the water. <laughs> when? Told, when she's putting her hand in, and she's like, it, it's getting warmer, oh. and then she screams, and he's just smiling. I totally forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. But then there's another great twist in this one. Who Taka's real identity. There's there's so much good to say about this movie. It's insane how, how good they made two movies the same year. Zootopia and Moana. 100% deserving of this. And two very different movies at that. Oh, absolutely. Because yes. Zootopia is modern-day anthropomorphized animal community. Moana is ancient oceanic, oceanic sailing. And... Both of them are just fantastically brilliant. And I have no problem putting them together on the list and in my top ten. We're getting up there, guys. We're at number six now. We're getting to the the top stuff. And And I want to say my two top movies have still not been mentioned yet. Okay. I might be mentioning one now. I don't know yet. So in number six position, let's just say this. Disney likes to Disney-fy classic stories. And no. if you know anything about Greek mythology, you know that Disney took a lot of creative liberties when they did Hercules, because to tell the actual story of Hercules would require an R rating. Yes. <laughs> if if yes. lucky. But the Disney-fied version of Hercules not only works, but it's also a brilliant tale that... Even though the animation doesn't hold up as well as the 90s films that came before it, because it does have a much more cartoony style, the point behind the movie was to be comedic, and they achieved that sevenfold. And I met someone from this cast, too. Ah, and I must know. Was it the villain? Okay, that's pretty cool, too. Yeah. So, I gotta be that guy. Is he still alive? Yes, he is. Okay. He is. Good. Very much so, yeah. And he's a film director now. I really like his comedy. and I... Okay. You sound like an expert on him, Jeff. Have you seen, <laughs> have you seen Hot to Trot? Yes, I movie? have. Yeah. Okay. Talk about a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Pretty much any Bobcat Goldthwait movie could qualify as a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I do enjoy his Police Academy movies. <laughs> yep. There you go. All right, anyway, so let's yeah. talk about um, let's talk about Hercules and just how. So of course, we've got the Fates telling the story, and it's their version, and we got to immediately right off the bat, Hades is introduced, and of course, one of the best possibly villains in a Disney movie. When it comes to comedic villains, you can have Isma and Radigan. And, uh, uh, oh god, there was a third one that was on the tip of my tongue that was a good comedic villain. Captain Hook. But I think Hercules is the best comedy villain in all Hades. of Disney. Yeah. I, I, Hades, yes. I think, uh, yeah. I, I, and, and James Woods. My god. And, and shout out to, uh, shout out to my coworker, Justin, for loaning me John Carpenter's Vampires I got to see for the first time ever. Yes. Cause that was so, yeah. that was so much fun. But yes, yeah, James Woods is uh even though he's a little cray cray now, he's still he's still uh the fact that he loves Hades so much that he will he will always come back and voice Hades no matter what Hades is doing, 
I give a lot of credit to that. And he's he, pretty much said he's retired, except for when it comes to Hades. Which is awesome. And I am all about that. Um, Hercules is a very likable character, because he's just, you know, he's the kid who wants to fit in. And, of course, he uh, he ruins Newman's pottery, so Newman gets upset. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that joke. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's also great. And also Keith David's in this too. I always forget about that. He's Apollo. Oh. Yeah. Charlton Heston's the narrator. Yes, which is epic on its own. And Rip Torn is Zeus. (laughs) R.I.P. Rip Torn. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. 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 And then we can't forget Danny DeVito. I was getting to that, yes. So, how could you co- possibly cast a better a better Phil, the Seder? Take notes, Disney, for your live-action movie. Hey. There's, uh, people are saying they want DeVito to be, to return. They contacted, well, did you hear what they did? They contacted Josh Gad to play Phil, and he flat out said, no, Danny DeVito should play him. Which was my worry when they announced it was, oh, Josh Gad, so talented, very nice guy, please don't do it. Yeah, please don't. But oh god, Philatides is the best because <laughs> he's he's basically just Danny DeVito. Yeah. Now he's not as bad as Always Sunny, but he is kind of the grumpy curmudgeon guy too, which is one of DeVito's best. But yeah, or, the, uh... or even now with him being in Jumanji: The Next Level, he's curmudgeon. So he's still playing that role, still, and he does it so well. He's still just Danny DeVito. I love yeah. him in Batman Returns. Sorry, I'll just give Batman Returns one shout out. He's a and he's a fanta- fantastic role there too. By the way, uh, speaking of Wayne Knight, he's the Penguin in the new Harley Quinn series. Yes, <laughs> which is again brilliant casting, yep. and then of course Jason Alexander is Cy. So just get the whole reunion while you're at it. Yep. So let's talk about Meg. Meg Meg was ranked as the least ethical in all of the Disney princesses. And for right reason, because she quite literally sells her soul to Hades just to save her boyfriend. And then wait, she wait, has... Wait, wait. Pump the brakes. She's a princess? Am I well, missing that? N- well, when, they're, when they do the expanded characters and they include other princesses and characters who should be ranked among them uh they did that specifically to rank her as the least moral because otherwise it pretty much would have been ariel or merida and i think they wanted to at least acknowledge that megara is kind of shitty oh okay yeah because she's not a she's not she's not technically one of the princesses but she should deserve more recognition yes she does have a huge redeeming quality she literally gives her life to save Hercules and he gives his life to save her soul and bring her back. That's, I mean, that's heroics in a nutshell right there. And the movie is meant to be comedic and it achieves so much of that. But once he free, even when he frees the Titans, there's comedy where I just like, uh, guys, Olympus is that way. (laughs) 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 We're going the wrong direction. Yeah, this is uh this is just it, it's such a fan freaking tastic fan freaking tastic movie. It's not meant to be historically accurate or no. even mythologically accurate, but get over yeah. that and just go for <laughs> it. 
you're going to watch the Kevin Sorbo Hercules if you want something closer. There you go. Yeah, but please watch. And and you won't be disappointed. Sorry, it's my favorite Hercules story. (laughs) But also, I mean, like Hercules, you know, he just wants to do good and, and save people. But think about all the heroics he actually does. He confronts the Cyclops without his powers and still manages to beat him. So you give a lot of credit to the fact that he's he's a good pure at heart, a pure at heart soul, and yeah. you know I mean he's got his frustration about being a true hero, but once he realizes what it actually takes, that's it, and that's like the the mo- the best scene ever when they're going to cut his his string of life and they can't do it and he emerges and then just punches Haiti in the face. <laughs> I do like when his Hades hair gets blown out. Oh yeah, what was yeah. my hero? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, can I give two Mark facts for this one? Yes. Um, so for my Facebook poll, I did favorite Disney animated movie, and this one actually won by one vote over a movie you haven't named yet. Believe it or not. Oh, I know. So, I remember. And then um, this movie, uh, Go the Distance, is actually my favorite Disney um, song. Yeah, the soundtrack is a- another one that deserves all the recognition in the world. The uh, The soundtrack, I mean, I think Go the Distance is one of the top-tier Disney songs ever. And I think it needs, it deserves a lot of recognition. It's another one, it's a... It's a it's a relatable hero style relatable hero style song that you need. But of course, you know, you still have Danny DeVito's song which is fun. Meg gets a gets an entertaining song. Yep. And freaking uh Paul Schaefer <laughs> <laughs> performs his little keyboard at the end. <laughs> And, because and, of course he does. And yes, Pain yeah. and Panic are fantastic henchmen. Yes, especially when he's uh, when he's got the sandals on, and he starts screaming at him, and just looks at <laughs> and just looks at Panic sucking down his little Slurpee. <laughs> and the other jokes are great too. The freaking credit card, somebody call IXII. They get a lot of good riff riffs in there. They do a great job. Hercules is fantastic. Should we do it, guys? Should we get to the top five? Let's do it. Oh. So the next three movies that I'm going to talk about, I could honestly intersperse them on the list and put them in any order I want. But I'm going to tell you why I chose the order after we talk about the next three movies. Then I'll actually reveal why they're in this order. I know. All right. I just did the in my head. I know what the five are. <clears throat> you, you have to know now. Because yep. there's only five left. Everybody's got to figure it out. So these are all considered among Disney's top tier, most elite films, which is why they not only make the top five, because they are that phenomenal, but I also grew up with all three of these movies. So, of course, I'm going to hold a special place in my heart for them. But why the order I chose? We'll get to that after we talk about number three. But first, we're going to talk about number five. What if I told you that we could tell the story of Hamlet, but with lions? What would you think as that is a pitch? Wow. Would you find that to be a fantastic pitch or would you be thrown off by it? Um, I mean, ideally you'd think it would be a horrible idea. 
until you see how it's actually done. Well, it worked. Yeah. Somehow it and works. Plus, <laughs> getting out Sir Elton John is uh, also a great step. Well, there's nothing negative to be said about that. Uh, a lot of ways, Lion King is Disney's greatest achievement in animated movies. It's uh, it's one of the most beautiful, one of the most memorable soundtracks, one of the most copied, imitated, and parodied, and has some of the most memorable characters with another legendary voice cast. Yep. So there's a reason why this movie is always at the top of people's lists. So why is it number five? We'll get to that. So, <laughs> so we'll talk about the positives here. Like, yes, you can do the you can do the Hamlet stuff, and you can talk about Kimba the White Lion and all that. But everything's inspired by something. So, and I don't think Disney ever tried to claim that it was a completely original tale. No. But James Earl Jones is Jonathan Taylor Thomas's dad, and he's going to raise the kid to take over. But Jeremy Irons ain't having any of that because. Why I don't get because of course you had to have a son so now I don't get the throne when you die. Ooh ooh, but what if what if I killed both of them? But uh, here's where Scar fails miserably. He succeeds in killing his brother, but then sends his dumbass hyenas to kill Simba, and doesn't suspect that not only will they not get the job done, but they'll also lie about it. He literally is comforting Simba. Right then and there, he could have just slashed his throat. But then, of course, he also destroys the Pride Lands because he's a terrible ruler. So good job, Scar. You yeah, dog. you tool. You tool. Surrounded by idiots. That's why Hercules wears you. Oh, good <laughs> It's true, it's Scar. Yeah. So the reason why this movie works so well is because, of course, I saw it in theaters when I was a kid. I loved the soundtrack. I loved the visuals. And growing up and rewatching the movie, it's only ever really gotten better. I saw the Broadway play on Broadway and loved it. Um, a week before 9-11, by the way. That's, oh. It was my last trip into New York City before history changed forever. <clears throat> and again, it, it could be the perfect soundtrack with the five songs. Circle of Life, Legendary, Can't Wait to Be King, Phenomenal, uh, Be Prepared, Incredible villain song. Hakuna Matata, legendary goofy song. And then the romance song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Is there actually a more perfect Disney soundtrack than those five songs put together? Also add in, I just can't wait to be king. Yes. It's, you take those five and it's just like, what can you even say about them? They're all perfect in their own way. And the characters, Simba, he's, he's a goof, but he's, he's an egotistical little prince. He knows what he's getting, and he has to realize right off the bat that his decisions have consequences. And he almost gets him and his friend killed by some hyenas because he just has to explore. And What's that shadowy place? <laughs> Everything the light touches is New Jersey. What's that shadowy place? <laughs> That's Camden. You must never go there, son. <laughs> I used to work in Camden. Somehow I made it out alive. Yes. And, of course, the the reuniting of the Coming to America cast with Mufasa and Sarabi. <laughs> Not enough people talk about that. 
Yep. Plus, this movie features one of the most heart-wrenching on-screen deaths in any Disney movie ever. Dad? Mufasa's Dad? death is one of those... Dad? Disney already hates us, but this just drove it home. Simba watches his dad die. Of course, he's too dumb to connect that Scar had anything to do with it, but... Cause he, cause... I, okay, I, I, hold on. I don't think that he's dumb. I always looked at it as he never believed his uncle would do that. Okay, that's fair. We'll, we'll go, let's go with that. That's a much more... Plus, don't forget, he was just in the middle of a stampede where he thought he was going to die, and then his dad just saved him. So there's a little bit of shock and adrenaline. Disorientation. Oh, sure. So, Chris, cool your tits. I'm sorry, Simba. I'm, <laughs> so- I'm sorry, JTT slash Matthew Broderick. <laughs> and then he becomes Ferris Bueller. Bum, <laughs> bum. By the way, I also love on Home Improvement when they do the <clears throat> their trick-or-treaters and Randy op- opens the door and it's Simba and Buzz Lightyear. He's like, one piece of candy for the spaceman and eight for the adorable lion. <laughs> I, I don't remember could... that scene, but now yeah. I have to find it. Yes, that's it's one of the it's one of the last Halloween episodes because it's because of course it's adult Randy and it's before JTT left the show. But yeah, yeah. so. I, I don't have anything negative to say about the movie, but I'm totally going to criticize Scar for being a garbage ruler. Because once he gets what he wants, he just becomes an arrogant, aloof POS. He won't even feed his own hyenas, who did all his bidding for him. Don't mention Mufasa or I get mad, blah, blah, blah. Scar, what the actual F? Like, dude. Again, I look at it this way. He had the plan to take over. He just <laughs> never had the plan of what happens when he took over. Yeah, there's that's a common theme in a lot of a lot of villain plots. That's what I always liked about uh, that's another and I'm gonna mention the works, guys. But in Megamind, what happens when <laughs> the villain achieves what he what he wants to do and it's the story of now what? And I think that's brilliant. Uh the voice cast is perfect. The animation is phenomenal. The 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 characters are all work so well off each other, and I mean th- there's good comedy in it. Timon and Pumbaa do get their share of hatred from people for sometimes being overbearing, but but I like them. I don't have an. Plus, it's the first fart gag in a Disney movie. Yes. Yeah, Pumbaa, not in front of the kids. Um, And they sing. They sing the Lion Sleeps Tonight. A wee moe, a wee moe, a wee moe, a wee. This was my favorite Disney movie for the longest time, and then. The it was the original Frozen where they oversaturated it, and I just saw it everywhere. And don't get me wrong, I think the movie is brilliant. I love the soundtrack. I think the Broadway musical is amazing. Um, I was not a fan of the um, not live action remake, but I just <laughs> with Disney kind of oversaturating Lion King so much. I got a little burned out. I will say I even love the um, Lion King show at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But for me, this movie, if someone puts it on, I just I think there's too much still in my face about it that I'll be like, is there another Disney movie we could watch? You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's going to factor into why it's five instead of four or three. 
I I'm so I'm, I am glad you brought that up. Again, we'll get to that in a sec, but yeah. It it really is as close to a perfect Disney movie. It's it's close to a perfect movie that you're going to get. It's got it's got great action and drama. It's got the perfect redemption storyline. He gets his revenge. He he flat out and the best thing about Simba as a character is even when he's finally got Scar on the ropes, he doesn't even kill him. He says, no, run away and never come back. So he's still got that merciful side to him. And then, of course, Scar gets killed by the hyenas anyway. <laughs> and, of course, I got to mention Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> and, and Cheech. Yeah. Oh, and, do you have a Cheech impression? No, man. I can't do a Cheech. <laughs> I can't do a Cheech. <laughs> Hey, you want to get your fenders painted, man? And then they brought him back in cars, and I actually really like that. Yeah. Hell, he was in uh, Oliver and Company, too. Little Chihuahua. Uh, you want to go, man? Yeah, I like Cheech Marine. And Ed. Everybody loves Ed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was your son. Ed, did you? And he just shakes his head. <laughs> oh, Ed. And of course, Mr. Bean is Zazu. Yeah, it's it's good. Lion King's good. We'll, we'll we'll talk about why it got its placement in a second. So of course we're gonna we're gonna go back a little before the Lion King and talk about. Oh wait wait wait! I want to give a shout out to Hans Zimmer for scoring that movie. Loved his score for it. Go on. There you go. <clears throat> well, let's talk about another score that worked really well. Uh, in fact, a song lyric actually had to get changed because it was too offensive. And Ooh, in, and I know, in, I know. Yeah, I know. It insulted Arabian culture. <laughs> and there's my number one. Uh, it, Aladdin's your number one, huh? Yep. Oh, perfect. Oh. Well, then we're going to have fun talking about this one. So I could sum up Aladdin by just saying Robin Williams as the genie. Yes. And, and perfectly justify it not only being in the top five, but being number four. But I want to talk a little bit more about what it is about the the diamond in the rough that works for me. Aladdin is a street urchin, and yes, he's stealing to survive, but they show you right away that he's got a good heart because he's still helping out the less fortunate kids and everything. He's willing to go hungry to help them, even though he himself is going hungry. And I think that's why he's chosen to be the diamond in the rough, right? It's because of that, that tenacity that he has. And... You know, Jasmine seems a little selfish at first because she has everything and she's kind of got that Ariel attitude. But Ariel wants more possession stuff and Jasmine just wants to see more than and doesn't want to be treated like royalty. So I think you that's... could say she wants to see a whole new world. Wow. You went there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. She wants to make she wants to escape the palace life and make decisions on her own. And that's a relatable thing. She actually seems like she's enjoying just wandering the streets even though she has no street smarts and it's just like oh here's an apple uh how are you gonna pay for that what <laughs> how does how does this things work out here but yes uh aladdin and jasmine actually have some of the best chemistry as a disney couple in all the disney movies and they do make jasmine out to be pretty badass overall yes she is a bit i mean who player. else has a tiger yeah, she's the Tiger Queen. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. She's Carol Baskin. If anybody's oh. listening to if anybody's listening to this podcast not in 2020, these are going to be such dated references. But whatever, this is when we're recording this, so we're going with it. Um, I think Jafar is a really good villain because he is pretty powerful and is pretty conniving. The big thing with him is that again, just like Scar, once he gets his power, he starts losing his interesting characteristics because he got what he wanted, so now he's just being whatever. But again, he's a he's a fearful villain. He's hypnotizing the Sultan. He's he's a master of disguise. Would you like to join the Turtle Club? <laughs> he's he's willing to just basically get a bunch of villains killed off a bunch to get what he wants anyway, because he's not stupid enough to try to get into the cave of wonders on his own. Actually, I think that's probably my biggest complaint about the live action Aladdin remake was I wasn't a big fan of that Jafar. Yeah, I, I ended up liking that movie a lot more than I thought I would. I think it's still one of the better remakes. And I Um, agree. But I will admit, I know a lot of people were disappointed with the casting of Jafar. I I think the guy is very talented, but I think the storyline they gave him made the character weaker. You're right. Pretty much they said, subtract some of Jafar, add more Jasmine. Yeah, but I did like the creative take, too. And I also, oh, yeah. I also love Iago as... Freaking Gilbert Gottfried, who I never realized sounds like a parrot until he got cast as one. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that the thing? Like, oh, yeah, like a parrot or a uh, duck. Yeah. Well, I wonder how he got that role. So but yes, um, also the 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 Gazim, the thief that Jafar sends to his death was voiced by Charlie Adler, also known as Buster Bunny, Ed and Bev Bighead and Ickis from Real Monsters. Oh, I love that show. I love Charlie Adler. Now, there's three shows that I'm friggin' in love with that I'll have to do ranking episodes on at some point. Yes. A little Tiny Toons, Real Monsters, and Rocco's Modern Life, which are all, yeah, that's that's all top-tier TV for, for me. Especially as a kid, because again, 90s kid. Born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. That's the definition of a 90s kid. Not you 1997 babies who think you're 90s babies. GTFO. You're 2000 babies. STF. Get your shit together. Yeah, get all your (laughs) shit. Get your shit together, Summer. Get all your shit. Put it in a bag. Get your shit together. Anyway, back to Aladdin. So, yes. Can I I talk soundtrack? Hell yeah, let's talk soundtrack. Do it, Ranking Tracks guy. (laughs) All right. So, yes, we do have Arabian Nights, which is an all right song. But if we're talking about the great tracks of Aladdin, you got to go one jump ahead. Mm-hmm. You got to go friend like me. Mm-hmm. You got to do Prince Ali. Uh-huh. And you got to do a whole new world. Wait a minute. You're not ranking them in that order, are you? No, I'm not. I'm just going oh. by them actually in the way that they yes. come out on the soundtrack. Okay, good, good, good. So I'll say right now, if I was to do a list of best Disney songs ever... Um, I, 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 a whole new world and friend like me would be not only on that list, but possibly at the very top of it. 
Yeah. Because I don't think anybody's going to disagree that Whole New World is the best love song Disney ever did. Nope. For me, that's it. I don't think you can find a better love song than Whole New World. And it's and again, it's another one of those stunning visuals. And then you get to see how much they contributed to culture. Why does the Sphinx not have a nose? Because Jasmine waved at the guy. <laughs> so <laughs> you understand why things got things are what they are. And they go all over the world. They literally see a whole new world. And Friend Like Me, I'll just say this right now. Friend Like Me is my favorite Disney song of all time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a upbeat song that as soon as you hear the first notes, you have to hum along. And it's Robin freaking Williams. Uh-huh. Hey, here's my idea for the fucking sport. I knock a ball into a gopher hole. Oh, like pool? Have fuck off pool. Not with a straight <laughs> stick, but a little fucked up stick. The Robin Williams <laughs> golf routine is like my favorite Robin Williams thing ever, but... But my he second... actually, at one point in one of his stand-up specials, talks about Epcot. You have to find it. I will now, yes. Uh, Robin Williams' Friend Like Me is amazing. And you know what? I even I dug the Will Smith version of it. Yeah. Because I looked at it as a uh, – not a remake, but a um, – what do you want to call it? A, uh, a, re- a tribute. Uh, a tribute. Reimagining. Reimagining, yeah. A tribute, yeah. Yeah. And and not, not there's nothing negative about Prince Ali or One Jump Ahead. They're not as memorable as the other two, but they're great. They're so great. I mean, One Jump Ahead's hysterical because he ends up in a Harlem, and when they find out he has no money, they kick him out. <laughs> no kid's going to get that, but I do now. Thanks a lot, Disney. God, first you got naked people in The Rescuers, and now this. So you think you're watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah well this is a game of thrones in this movie what's jafar do- going after the big elephant throne it's not the iron throne but it's a big elephant then it becomes a big cobra and the villain battle is fan- phenomenal too he turns him he's does all sorcerer powers turns himself into a giant snake and then he gets his wish he becomes a genie and it's his own his own ego that does him in at the end because Aladdin knew exactly what he was doing. Well, if you're a genie, you're actually a slave. So, ha-ha, you're done. Plus, another fun fact. Uh, without Aladdin, we it, Aladdin has the first full uh, computer animated character. Which characters? Who? Oh, Magic the, carpet. That's right, the carpet. And uh, I thought you were going to say the minute, Cave of wait Wonders. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is computer animated the whole time? Yep. That's awesome. Huh. I don't think I knew that, but yeah. I, I thought you were going to say the Cave of Wonders. I was like, well, yeah, that's definitely computer animation, but... Oh, and that's a friggin' brilliant scene, too, when he's escaping the Cave of Wonders. Yep. By the way, thanks a lot, Abu! <laughs> don't touch anything! Ah! And then he almost gets killed in the lava, and it's just like... Well, I like Abu, so I'm glad you saved him, but... All right, we gotta. We'll talk about why Aladdin's number four in a minute. But so, what could possibly be number three? Well, what what could be better than Aladdin or The Lion King, the movie who came out right before them, but was still freaking phenomenal? Another one that stuck with me as a kid: Beauty and the Beast. Uh, there's my number one. There we go. Yeah, so they're three, four, and five. But I'll tell you why they're interspersed after we do a little Beauty and the Beast. 
Because, as you know, this is a tale as old as time, and a song as old as rhyme. So, when it comes to fantastic animation, Beauty and the Beast gets it, with the castle, the dance scene, all that stuff. When it comes to great characters, Belle is a top-tier princess, because... She outwits, outmatches, and even freaking shoves Gaston in the dirt. <laughs> Gaston's a fantastic villain because it's, a, it's the first time we were going for the role reversal where the hideous beast is the good guy and the handsome guy is the bad guy. This was our first real take on that, and it works really well. <laughs> Especially and he's got one of the best songs. Uh, again, if we're talking favorite Disney songs, Gaston has to be in the list. Oh, God, yeah. It's another one of those legendary soundtracks, just like Lion King and Aladdin. It's it's another soundtrack that's legendary, and for the for all the right yes. reasons. Because you have, right away, you have uh, Belle's song about wanting about everything and the, her, the same old routine. The Gaston song. And then you have freaking Be Our Guest, which is, uh, again, if I was listing my favorite Disney songs, that's top five, probably. It might even be number two after uh, after Friend Like Me. It might actually be. And I love Be Our Guest so much. Especially because David Ogden Steers finally loosens up at the end. All Cogsworth. <laughs> finally loosens up and gets into the song just in time for it to be over. Uh, something There is good. The Mob Song is good. And then everybody knows that Beauty and the Beast itself is just legendary on its own. Uh, and earlier we were talking about Academy Awards and splitting votes. Three songs from Beauty and the Beast were nominated for Best Original Song. Yep. And I, and and, I know them without looking it up. Beauty and the Beast, Be Our Guest, and Belle. Yep. And it also went up against Hook. Damn. And it went up against Everything I Do, I Do For You from Prince of Thieves. Oh, oh God damn. Song. <laughs> so really any way you you vote is a damn good song <laughs> yeah <laughs> there you go but yeah it's uh oh, and it... and lion king had two nominations as well yeah we know and, we know what those and, are and so did aladdin yeah we know what those are too you don't even have to look them up to know what they are but yeah i mean the, the, this is another movie that gets comedy right because the, all the everybody's an enchanted object, but they utilize that, especially when the mob scene hits. You know, Belle is so selfless, she's going to volunteer herself to basically give her life up to save her father because of how much she cares about him. And then you feel for poor Maurice because he's such a crazy inventor. Nobody believes that his daughter's in trouble until... She actually proves it. And then, of course, they do mob mentality. She's trying to reason with them that the beast is, is harmless, but all they see is, no, he's rough. And because Gaston is such a leader in the village, they just follow him blindly. It's, God, it works so well. The one thing I'll say, though, is the prince was only 11 when the old lady came calling. And she cursed him for that when he's a little kid? Good God. <laughs> Heartless. Different times, different times. Exactly. <clears throat> Where the hell were his parents anyway? Were they on the same boat as Anna and Elsa's? Like, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Yes. He has no parents, and yeah, well. 
But, uh, and, all right, opinion on the live action of this one. Oh, oh boy. Here we go. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I liked it, but I understand if you didn't. I liked it, but... Um, Was it too Kevin... phoned in for you? No, no, no. I actually liked it for the most part. Um, my only gripes were Kevin Klein is amazing. I think his song was forced. And then my favorite song from the musical is to be human again. And they had a spot in the movie for it. And instead of using it, they wrote a new song about being human again. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that one. I, I liked the movie a lot. Um, it, they did go a little creative and I appreciate them going creative instead of shot for shot Lion King. Yes. Um, but I, I think some of the things I, I don't have a problem with, um, uh, Emma Watson. I don't have a problem with her, um, like others do. I think but... the big complaint was that they went too much for stars instead of getting, instead of just getting people who could do it naturally. But I didn't have a problem with that either, because like, like you said, I think Emma Watson did a good job as Belle. Yeah, I for the most part, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's not at the bottom of my remakes. Yeah. So, I will also say that uh, I love the inclusion of To Be Human Again in the animated movie and that they actually animated a scene over that. I love that. That, yeah. was, a, that was a very pleasant surprise the first time I watched that version. I don't remember if that was the DVD or the Blu-ray that first added it, but... I think it was like a Blu-ray to get you to buy that. Yeah, I remember. I was so pleasantly surprised by that and so happy because that's another one where I'd seen the, the, the musical. Uh, opinion of Evermore. Because I think that's a fantastic song too. I, th- I I think it is a typical Disney song. Um, I I didn't have a problem with it. I, my thing with with Evermore is that it humanizes the Beast a bit more. So yeah, I take that. All right, so there's Beauty and the Beast. So why did Ooh, I put them in on. the order? Oh. Hang on, hang on, Beauty and the Beast. I'm gonna give a shout out to it's actually also one of my favorite disney posters it's the one where there's like a a candlelight and you see like a silhouette of beast and bell dancing it's it's in my top five of disney animated posters all right so before we move on to the top two let's talk about what the order and why i decided to go with them in this order like i said i love all three of these movies in a lot of ways i love them equally so I could interchange them on the list. Everybody loves Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. They're super classic. They came out around the same time. They all followed one another. They all enhanced. So the reason I chose the order is what stuck with me specifically and why. And what is it's like, okay, if they're all so equal, I have to find stuff to organize them. The Lion King I went with at the bottom of the five or the three. Because I don't care for the live-action remake, and I don't care for the extended universe, you know, Simba's pride and all that. Whereas, Lion King one and a half and all, yeah. yeah. I know Where, a lot of people that love one and a half and Lion King too. Right. Whereas Aladdin, not only did I actually really like the sequels, but I also liked the TV series. So, oh, yeah. so the Aladdin universe to me was bigger than the Lion King one. Whereas 
I can look at Aladdin and be and and again the remake I also liked. So I was like, if I look at Aladdin like that compared to Lion King, I think overall, I have to put Aladdin over Lion King. Yeah. And again, sure. Robin Williams as the genie. Again, it could be my only argument there, but I'm going a little further with it. Plus, anyone that knows you knows your love for The Simpsons. So to have Dan Castellaneta also step in probably helps. It's basically doing a Robin Williams impression. Yep. <laughs> So then, and then as far as putting Beauty and the Beast above it, well, Beauty and the Beast doesn't really have an expanded universe per se, because all the sequels take place within the confines of the story of that movie, which is why everybody's still furniture. You know, Aladdin and Lion King were actual sequels. Beauty and the Beast were just expansions. But Beauty and the Beast, to me, works better because it has the better animation, which again, is a tough one to go with. But I think Beauty and the Beast scores the animation because it does a much more intimate setting and still achieves that because it all takes place in a castle instead of an entire kingdom or an entire continent. And manages to get a more likable princess out of Belle. Not that Jasmine isn't, but I think Belle is more relatable than Jasmine because she's a peasant and because she's a commoner. It has a better redeeming quality with the prince and the beast and has a better overall message of love finding itself in there. And then at the end of the day, it was my favorite as a kid because it was with me longer than the other two. Well, it came out before them. No, it's that's just how things actually are. So I went with that order for that reason. Makes sense. I I actually like how you ranked them, so I'm good. Okay. Yeah, it could be surprising because people would be like, damn, Lion King's only number five? Well, like, well, yeah, but then look what I put right above it. So, well, I'm not going to lie. I thought you would have those three a little higher up, but... Well, this is, where, this is where I, I, I the shock comes I was in, huh? shocked as well, but your reasoning makes sense. Well, we're going to talk about the top two now. This is We have officially reached that point. Now, of course, once I reveal what number two is, everybody who's been paying attention will know what number one is. But I'm hoping enough people are still confused and trying to figure out what I haven't <laughs> talked about to be a little offbeat on what number one is. So number two is going to feel like a cop out to some people because some people will justify that it's too new to be this high. Or you're only doing it because of the content of what it is, because you're a gamer and it's about gaming and I've heard, I'll hear stuff like that. But I'm going to justify why Wreck-It Ralph is actually number two. Because wow. Wreck-It Ralph isn't just a favorite Disney movie. Wreck-It Ralph is a favorite movie movie. Even, in, even outside the confines of Disney, Wreck-It Ralph is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. So, yeah, it's going to get a high ranking. <clears throat> so... Why Wreck-It Ralph at number two? How did this movie get so high? Because no, I don't think anybody else is going to put Wreck-It Ralph this high on their list. No, and I enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph, but no, I would not have put it at number two. No, I, would, I don't think either I one would, of you would have. I think it would maybe make my top ten, actually, now that you say it. Okay, it top ten is top one 10. thing, but... Yeah. Okay, well, so how did it make it to number two? In the confines of this movie features some of my favorite characters I've ever seen in any film. 
Ralph itself is such a simple character to relate to. His job is to be hated, but he's still a kind, soft-hearted guy who just wants to be liked, even though his job demands it. And he's just not getting the respect he needs from the villagers, the Nicelanders. Anybody can relate to something like that. And wanting to prove yourself. And even though his actions seem selfish in this one, it's not nearly as bad as what he does in the sequel. (laughs) But his own come to realization and his own sleuthing not only saves himself, but saves an entire other world because all the video games are worlds. He saves Sugar Rush from what it actually was. And when you actually break down what it was and how it got to be that way, it makes his heroics among the best in Disney. And of course, John C. Riley, who's yep. awesome. John yes. C. Riley's freaking amazing. Um, Vanellope, yes, she's a kind of an obnoxious little kid, but she's supposed to be an obnoxious little kid. That's what all the, they're all little kids. They're all little big-headed anime racers. And then you discover she's actually a glitch, and she's not supposed to exist, but then you discover why she's a glitch, and you immediately start rooting for her, and all she wants to do is just be part of her game. And Sarah Silverman was a great choice there, because she brings that character to life big time. Yeah, because she's got... She could easily be a loved comedian... Or a hated comedian. She brings both sides to it, and you can see where why they went with her as Vanellope. Yeah, and it was so perfect. And to get Jack McBriar to be Fix-It Felix, the most gregarious character since Mickey Mouse, <laughs> and to get the guy with the most gregarious-sounding voice, even though on 30 Rock he ain't nothing but gregarious. But, but I mean, that's what Felix is. He's basically, he's their Mario. And what is, you know, he's such a super nice guy like he's supposed to be. But even he's got a heart for Ralph. Gene and they're doesn't. supposed to be enemies. Yeah, Gene doesn't. Gene's a dick. <laughs> but, but yeah, Felix. And, you know, and you know, he's supposed to be the hero and everything. And he could just be that cookie cutter hero. But they do, they do show him to be what he's supposed to be. Because, and, and Jane Lynch as Sergeant Calhoun is so good. She's so funny and with her, with all of her witticisms. And then, of course, she's programmed with the most tragic backstory ever. <laughs> she didn't do a perimeter check. And it's, it's comedic, but also, you're also like, oh. But when, I always thought that was a good moment for Felix when she's like, you're not coming with me. And he's like, no, my job is to fix what Ralph wrecked. I'm coming with you whether you like it or not. She's like, but if you die, you don't come back. Well, yeah, well, neither do you. <laughs> okay. So he's got he's got a backbone there. He could have just been the wussy hero generic character, but they gave him a backbone. And of course, when it comes to the the twist villain, I don't think any movie did it better than King Candy. Because I did not see that coming. And when the Neither reveal happened, even I dropped my jaw in the theater. I was like, holy crap, what a twist. What a twist! <laughs> and, of course, it's Alan Tudyk again doing his impersonation of Ed Wynn, which, which works. Because <laughs> it's a Mad Hatter. And 
man, he goes from he seems like the benevolent guy, but you you always have that that question of whether or not King Candy is what he said he was, and then when it turns out what he really is, you realize just what a freaking scumbag he is. And that I think that reveal was one of the best they've ever done. The uh, the King Candy Turbo connection. Yep. Yep. Okay, so take all that stuff out. The good character, the the another legitimate tearjerker moment when Ralph decides to sacrifice himself to save Vanellope's life, and he realizes that's the only way out. And I'm just like, a game about video game characters is making me misty eyed. What the fuck? That's not cool. And then uh, the video game references just enhanced my enjoyment of the movie. I thought the candy puns, they could have been overbearing, but they all worked. Especially the Oreos. The Oreo guards, that made me laugh. (laughs) Oreo. All the the torches are flaming marshmallows. (laughs) Like all the little details that they put in there just worked. And the more the more I watched the movie, the more I loved it. Oh, and uh, freaking Adam Carolla and Horatio Sands are the donuts, <laughs> and they're Winchell and Duncan, which of course yeah. made me laugh. And then freaking Al Bundy is the nice the nice man who owns the arcade, Mister Litwack. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I don't. And then, and then he was a he was Hank the octopus. Yeah, they, this movie is really clever. It's really well done. All of the all of the cameos are great. I still wish they could have worked that Mario cameo in there. That was a big thing for me, that they didn't even get him in the sequel. I loved Badanon. I thought that was super clever. And then you realize it's taking place in the Pac-Man area where the ghosts spawn. <laughs> yeah. Like, the whole thing is just so clever. It's got so much existentialism in it. But... It's just, it's, it's, to me, it was one of the best movies I had ever seen. And I'm like, even as a Disney movie, I love this. I love this. So, yeah, and I know people won't agree with that, and that's fine. I don't expect anybody to put this on as high on a pedestal as I did. But I don't think you can argue that Wreck-It Ralph was incredibly well done. And the universe it opens up has so much potential we, I think they only tapped on it with Ralph Breaks the Internet. I think they could do a whole universe-style thing. I think this could be a TV show, like Big Hero 6. I could see that. Anybody else get that freaking Sugar Rush song stuck in their head, by the way? Uh, so good. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So annoyingly catchy good. <laughs> so good. And they even do the... Uh, they got uh, Buckner and Garcia, who wrote the Pac-Man Fever song in the 80s. They got them to come in and write the Wreck-It Ralph the Wreck It Wreck It Ralph song. Yeah, and just the the bad guy therapy scene is so memorable and quotable. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Satan. Oh, it's saltine. <laughs> and of course, Sonic the Hedgehog. Don't leave your game. They gotta. He's gotta be the. Uh, he's gotta be the super good guy. <laughs> I'm just a storage protector doing my job, sir. And there's there's so many Easter eggs too, like Aerith lives and all your base are belong to us graffitied on the walls. 
there's so many references that you can't even catch them all in the first. It took me like three or four watches to try and find everything that was in there. Uh, yeah, it's uh, this this was amazing for me, and uh, I don't mind people putting it lower on their list, but I appreciate how high people do rank it, even if it isn't as high as I would put it. Putting it in your top twenty, I think, is uh, is is a good good choice there. And shout out to Henry Jackman for the really good video game and uh, cutesy style soundtrack that also gets dark at times. Considering he also worked on Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and GI Joe Retaliation, in <laughs> this this took place between those. So I'm gonna give him a shout out for that too. Good, good, good. Any thoughts on Wreck-It Ralph? I, mean, uh, I, I go ahead. I was going to say you pretty much covered it. I mean, there there are parts of it that are very funny. There are parts of it that have a lot more heart than you expect for a movie like this. As a gamer myself, I enjoy all the references as well, so I can understand why it's as high as it is for you. I like I said, I wouldn't do it myself, but I can understand the reasoning behind it. I mean. Yeah. This is one of the first times I heard a Skrillex song and didn't hate it, so I'm going to also give that <laughs> give that some credit too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say it I think it's an underrated movie. It I wasn't a big fan of the overall sequel and uh, Wreck-It Ralph is definitely in my top 15 and if I thought about it more, it could probably easily be in my top 10. There you go. Yeah, it's it's it was really good. It, it blew me away when I saw it, and I was just like, like I was chomping at the bit for Ralph breaks the internet. Just when I heard that there was going to be all the internet references and everything, and I was just like, oh my god, I need to see this. I need to see this. And even though it didn't blow me away, which is why it still cracked my top twenty. But even you guys were like, it probably wouldn't crack yours. And I get, I trust me, no. I get, I get that yeah. one. So. <clears throat> So, but, but like, I, I really do feel like there's so much potential for an entire universe out of the Wreck-It Ralph stuff. And if there is a third one or a TV series and Mario's not in it, then you guys just need to give up because I want me, waha, I want some Mario. Maybe Wreck-It Ralph will cameo in that, in that uh, Illumination Mario Brothers movie that we're getting. Can we have that? Can we do that? Or do, does Disney hate, does Disney hate the minions as much as they hate DreamWorks? I don't know. Not sure about that, but yes. <laughs> so yes, we have come to the number one. My number one favorite Disney movie of all time. Without saying it, are you guys surprised that this um, is my favorite? A little bit. I'm happy that it's in your top five. I am surprised. Okay. Well, let me explain to you why The Hunchback of Notre Dame is my favorite Disney movie of all time. To me, it is the best animated Disney movie that they have ever done. I think the visuals on Notre Dame are Disney's best work. It features the t best villain song Disney has ever done. That Hellfire song is so crazy, insane, good. And mm -hmm. how, like, it's, and it's so taboo. The movie is so dark for a Disney movie. 
and even though the source material might have been considered dark, they they do all the taboos in it with the religion and the the guy lusting over a gypsy. They they are pulling no punches with this. It also features. Let me see. I think it might just be yeah. Again, if we're doing, if we were doing that list of Disney songs, three of these songs, possibly four, would end up in my top tier. I was just looking at the soundtrack even before you said that because yeah. I'm like, there's a song I really love from it, and I couldn't remember what it was. Up oh, there, it is. Now take out the goofy gargoyles for a second, and <laughs> you would have the darkest Disney movie ever. I would even say darker than the Black Cauldron. I could see yes. that. Yeah. Like, now, and the other thing is, as goofy as the gargoyles are, they don't bother me like some sidekicks do. Maybe that's yes. because Jason Alexander's part of it, and Mary Wicks did her final role. Or no, uh, sorry, Mary Stout or Mary Wicks. I always forget which one because there's two Marys. Which one was yeah. the famous one? Uh, Mary Wicks is I, the one that died. So yeah, so so her. Yeah, they had to. Mary Stout was the one who filled in. Um. And even Charles Kimbrough as Victor didn't bother me. Like, yeah, Guy Like You is the silly song, but we every movie's got a silly song, so you get past that. But Hellfire's got the Heaven's Light intro, which is incredible, and you put them together and you have something that's just mind-bogglingly good with how the contrast of Quasimodo's love for life and... Frollo's love for sex, apparently. <laughs> um, God Help the Outcast works really well, and it itself is a taboo song because she's literally praying to God about why we're all supposed to be equal and created together. Um, the Topsy Turvy song's fun. Out There yeah. is incredible. That, I think that might be my personal top five. Yeah, it's... Song. It, to me, it's just as good as... Uh, as the Hercules soundtrack, uh, somewhere I belong, like because they're they're both sim- similar themes. They're trying to get somewhere and be somewhere that they want to be. Yeah. But I think Bells of Notre Dame, that intro prize song, and the whole dark tones of that is just one of the best things Disney's ever done. The song is so incredible, and then the story just gets so dark so quickly. And Frollo's only arresting gypsies because he just doesn't understand them and doesn't care. But he's the town judge, and he's a religious man, and he controls the dungeons, so he's just getting away with it. Frollo's my favorite villain, period, because of how scarily realistic he is. Because he's just a power abuser. And can we talk about how Tony J is the voice? Yes. Guy, I mean, he was one of the greatest voice actors of all time. And it's funny to hear him in something like this that's so dark and then go and watch the episode of Rugrats where he's the Lipschitz and see him freaking out and crying because he can't <laughs> he can't actually talk to babies like he lies about it. You know, like yep. s- stuff like that is just so it's such a great transition. And I was yep. I was I was genuinely sad when I I didn't realize he had passed away in 2006. I learned that like 3 or 4 years after it happened. I was genuinely sad to hear about that because he was such a fantastic, such a legendary voice, really. One and of then, the most legendary voices. 
fun fact for this movie, I think I said it earlier or I teased it. Um, this was Michael Eisner's favorite animated movie during his tenure. Yes, you did tease that. And uh, and I, I, I mean, how could you... How could you go wrong here? It, the movie itself is just, it's a, to me, it's a huge just blow away with, with what it is because I, I can't envision Disney doing something like this even today. And it only came out in 96. But even, even now, even only a little over 20 years later, you still look at it and you're like, how did Disney even get away with this then? Yeah. And I think you look at today's society, this movie is more prevalent now than it was in 96. Absolutely. You know, the the power and justice line where Esmeralda's screaming back at him about how you pretend to... You, you pretend to do all this stuff, but you just... Uh, but you're just, you're just lying about it. Like, my God, I... I I I could never ever say anything more positive about this movie. And of all the movies we've talked about, the only negative I could even find with this would be the goofy sidekicks. But even then, I like them. I don't yeah, have any other negatives. When I look back, I don't think God. Ah, oh, just the gargoyles. I they're never an annoying thought of mine. And there's and- even the uh, the the fan theory that they don't actually exist. That he yeah. made them up in his head. I saw that, and it makes it more possible. depressing, actually. Yeah. And I look at the cast, and yes, you have a big name like Demi Moore. I'm looking at the cast, seeing so many TV actors that mm-hmm. are not necessarily big names that just provided great voices. Hey, we already like, talked, and we even talked about Kevin Klein yep. <laughs> just yeah. a minute ago. Like uh, Bill Figerback, who now is more known because he's Patrick, but he was on Coach at the time. Or even someone like uh, one of the other Gargoyles, Charles Kimbrough, was on Murphy Brown. Mm Oh, yeah. He was one of the other, yeah, Mary Kay Bergman, South Park. on South Park, yeah. By the way, um, that Oafish Guard, ever since SpongeBob came out, now every time, because he uses the Patrick voice for him, so every time I go back and watch that movie, I'm just like, uh, is this the way to the cathedral? No, this is Patrick. Like, <laughs> plus he was on How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Yep. He's Marvin Marshall's dad. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of smaller name people that just provided such excellent voices for this. And again, it's a. So, which to me more 1996 role do you prefer, Esmeralda or her role on Beavis and Butthead Do America? <laughs> which she actually produced. Yeah, I know. Oh, this wow. is so great. Her and Bruce produced. Back when they Do were America. selling thing. Yeah. That's the best part, too, is she sells him out immediately to get, to get her own freedom. Yeah. Oh, he stole the unit. Said he hid it in some guy's pants. <laughs> Why does everybody want to see my schlong? Plus, let's not forget, that's also when Striptease came out. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's where I thought you were going at first. I'm like, yeah, no. I'm I was going I for voice roles. I thought you were going for voice roles. But, yeah, let's – yeah, that was a big year for Demi Moore. Holy crap. The <laughs> juror. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. I didn't even I, – I forgot Striptease came out that year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah, the uh, 
the movie gets so dark right off the bat. Frollo kills Quasimodo's mother in cold blood and sees a deformed kid and goes to drown him in a well. And the only reason he stops is because of his own fear in God. Feel good movie of the year! <laughs> For kids! <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love this movie. And again, like it's, it doesn't contain my favorite song or my favorite character or anything like that. But it's my favorite animation. It's my favorite villain slash villain song. It's one of my favorite casts overall. And even the silly stuff works. Because you could even argue that the, the whole, you know, the whole Festival of Fools is a silly segment. But it's supposed to be. It's the whole point. But then, look how fast uh, Clopon churns on them. Even when they, they're invading their their hidden area because he's just like oh screw this we're gonna execute you guys there's even good comedy in there when they're just like no these aren't these are friends of ours why didn't they say so we did say so jackass (laughs) we should have ran into a trap by now or a guard or something lights go out or an ambush (laughs) (laughs) and kevin klein's so good as phoebus too because he's so dry and sarcastic with every role. Even when he's trying to court Esmeralda, he's still <laughs> being a sarcastic ass with her. <clears throat> and it oh, yeah, he's he's one of those actors that never got the recognition I think he deserved. Because he's always good no matter what movie he's in. Yeah. And sometimes he tends to blend in the background. But he's just so good in everything. But you know what I also like about this movie? It's a common trope in a lot of these films, like especially with Tangled, how even though the person is basically mistreated their whole life, they still grow up to be a pure-hearted individual. And that's what's so amazing about Quasimodo. I mean, the first time we meet him, he's all excited to help a little bird fly, even though he knows that means he's going to lose a friend because the little bird's leaving the nest. And then Jason Alexander sleeps with his mouth open, so that's why... Hugo, yeah. Victor Hugo, of course, because we had to get that in there, too. But, yeah, I mean, even even when there there's the the ambush on Notre Dame and everything, like, yeah, the, the gargoyles are doing comedic stuff there to take away from the seriousness, but if you think about it, they're literally seething the, seizing the most holy place in Paris after burning the city down just to fight Frollo's war. And he's like, I'm not having this anymore. And the entire town just rises up and stops them in their path. And that freaking, when he thinks Esmeralda's dead and he's about to murder him with a knife. And then Frollo also has one of the best villain deaths ever. Where he literally plunges to hell. Again, for kids. For kids, exactly. (laughs) This is number one. It's been my number one for a while. I don't know. I would, I'm not going to say it was number one immediately after I saw it, but the more I would watch and get into it, the more I'm just like, no, this is it. This is the best one. This is easily my favorite Disney movie. And again, uh, probably top ten favorite movies of all time is this Hunchback. And I, the only reason I haven't done any lists about my favorite movies is because I know this would be on it and I didn't want to spoil this. But now I finally got to say my piece about these Disney movies and now I can finally do some of those lists. <laughs> so there we go. But yeah, Yay. Hunchback number one I knew would definitely surprise you guys. 
Yep. And it, I might even say it surprised me when it when it happened, but uh but yeah, this is easily my favorite. And I will sit here and defend this movie against anyone. Well, guys, this was definitely the longest episode. It's two, over two hours. But thank you thank for you. joining me on this journey. My, We went from Make Mine Music all the way up to The Hunchback of Notre Dame. So everybody in the comments, I'd like you guys to please give some recognition to Jeff and Mark for coming on this journey with me. You've will definitely not be the last time you hear them on this show or on other shows. Make sure you're uh, following CKCC Radio so you can hear all of Jeff's shows. Follow Mark's blog so you can see all of his movie reviews. And if you guys enjoy hearing them, I'll definitely have them back. As for what's coming up in Chris Frank's The Universe, some of the future plans include uh, Star Wars, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Pixar... Uh, there's there's so much to do, James Bond, but I think I'm going to save that for after I finally see Bond 25. No time to Whenever die. that comes out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, now it's coming out around my birthday, so not really going to complain about that. For um, now. If you would like to hear a, a project tackled, you are more. I will more than happily take your requests. Give me time, because there won't be another Chris Franks in the Universe until it's time to do uh, Star Wars, which I'll, I'll just tell you guys right now, Star Wars will be next. That probably just going to be a two-parter, maybe a three, because there's 15 items, so maybe we'll do we'll do increments of five and make a three-part series out of that. Uh, Marvel will come afterwards, and then Pixar will probably be after that. Uh, its order might get a little messed up. I don't know. I know you had talked about wanting to do a Big Bang Theory character list. Uh, I might actually blog that one because there's over 100 items on it. Well, I mean, obviously you're not going to do every single character, but yeah, that would no, be No, it's significant tough. characters, but yeah. yeah. Um, I am going to do 151 original Pokemon, and I've got a couple people who want to hop on board with that so I can talk about how Mr. Mime is the creepiest thing ever. Yeah, I will not be on that one, folks. Just <laughs> you know. But yeah, there's, there's so many cool ideas we could do with this. And as I've offered to the two of you, and I will offer it to our patrons and other members of the CKCC community... If you guys would like to come on and present your list and have me react to that, you are always welcome to do so. In fact, if anybody wants to do their own version of the Disney animated movies and try to tackle all 58 of them, put it together, come on the show, and we'll do it. It might just be one long-ass episode because we've pretty much already said our piece about everything, but you know what? We'll do it. I'll do it for you. So and and also the the same offer that he just made goes for ranking tracks as well. There you go. If you want to come on and rank an album, and I can contribute, or you want to go back and forth with me, you just let me know. Indeed, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic journey. Thank you for seeing it all the way through. And Thank you for having me. And one more time, what's 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 your two number ones? My number one is Aladdin. Okay. Mine is uh, Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So they both managed to still make it into the top, the top five. So I am happy about that. I don't have to feel guilty about that. <laughs> I'm on the range. Number maybe, two. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did. Yeah, Chicken Little, get the hell out of here with that shit. <laughs> Chicken Little's number 56, and it's staying there. 
And yes. it's lucky to be that high. It, it actually was because I, I originally was going to make it dead dead last until I thought about it a little more. But yeah. So yes, this was a fun journey. Thank you, gentlemen. And to everybody out there, thank you for supporting us and following. And if you like this episode, share it so everyone can hear it. And please make sure you've gone back and rewatched the first five parts. Because Listen. whatever. It might, <laughs> it might be on YouTube at some point, so they might be listening. True. Maybe maybe I could maybe I'll trans transpire the uh the episodes into YouTube clips and then put like clips and stills over it so there's visual stuff. Could be fun. Yeah, that's down the line. But thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me. We'll I guess we'll see y'all next time. There. <laughs>